in the middle letter? Yeah. Okay. Good morning, everyone. So uh, we are in the middle of oaths. Uh, now, so uh, typically in the old days, if you could get somebody to uh, put them on the witness stand, then you could get the truth out of them. In other words, if they're not in court, they uh, will fib a little bit. But when they get up and they have to take the oath, that they're afraid of. And so typically the best scenario would be if you could get the other side uh, there's a dispute about whether this was paid or not. If you could get them uh, to court and get them on the witness stand, uh, then you'll get the truth out of them. So uh, we said, what happens if you have one witness that claims that the document was paid? We'll start from the, uh, the two dots here on the bottom of Pei Zion 87b. So we said then, uh, the Mishnah said that, you would sw- that she would swear. So, he thought this was a Torah oath, which we're finally going to find out today. If we have a drop of patience, we'll get there in uh, two minutes. Uh, the difference between a Torah oath and a rabbinic oath. In other words, sometimes the Torah itself required you to swear, and that's the full McCoy. That's the real heavy-duty, super-duper oath. And then there's a rabbinic oath, which was not quite the same. We'll see in a second. So the question here, is this a Torah oath? Now, where does the Torah say if you have a witness against you, you've got to swear? It says like this. If one witness testifies against you and says, you did X, Y, Z, you did, you did certain sin, you did certain, you, you need a whooping, or you need X, you know, whatever it is. So one witness, uh, it's your word against his. So one witness isn't going to stand against you. It won't stand against you for avonochatos, avokam, but one witness does require you at least to swear that what that witness is saying ain't true. That's the minimum. So, Omar Mar, and the master taught, in any case, where if there were two witnesses against you, you'd got to pay. One witness, if you don't have to pay, but at least you have to take the oath and swear that uh, you deny what he's saying. So here you've got a witness saying that she received her payment already, and she denies it. So uh, she sh- and the Mishnah said you take an oath. So we're assuming this is the Torah oath. So Omar Rava Shtechuvas. I got two 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 uh, rejoinders here. Two reasons why that's not exactly true. Number one, Kol Nishboyin Shabatora Nishboyin Shalman. Usually in the Torah you swear somebody says you have to pay. And here you swear not to pay. Whereas over here, nishba v'noto, here we're swearing uh, and uh, collecting. Uh, he's, he's swearing that he never, uh, that he paid it. Uh, I'm sorry, she's swearing that she didn't receive the ksuva and now she's, she's uh, collecting. And then there's another rule that you typically don't swear. Again, it's, it, this is exeris akasiv, meaning that it's one of the ex- exclusions in the laws of oaths are that you don't take uh, an oath on something to do with land. When it has to do with a, a question of a, uh, um encumbered land, you don't take an oath. It, we, it's an exclusion. And, and in other words, oaths are usually about money that's owed one way or another, but it's not usually about something that's uh, with land. That, the Torah oaths are excluded. Um, 
uh, in uh, the uh, and this uh, this does have to do with land because this she's saying she has a lien on his property from the ksuva and she's swearing that that lien wasn't satisfied and she's taken away more property. So this can't be a Torah shvua. Ela Marava, fine, midrabanan. What's the purpose of this? Kadei lahapis daitu shobal that. The husbands, they don't want the, the ex-wife to take advantage and double-collect the ksuva. So the least she could do is the rabbis made her swear so that she can't take advantage. Omre papa, ipekeahu. So the problem is, um, the rabbinic oath, uh, if you have a liar, there are some people that would lie rabbinically, but not Torah-wise. <laughs> it's hard to imagine, right? If you're lying, you're lying, but no. Uh, there's some people that if you can get them to take a Torah oath, then they'll take it seriously. But a rabbinic oath, they don't take that so seriously. Yeah, yeah that's... Uh, um, I, I, I still remember this day. I used to play uh, football with... Uh, um, I had a Catholic neighbor, and he always used to swear to God, you know, like if it was over the scrimmage line, it wasn't over... And I, was, I couldn't believe it, like he was like... Swearing with Hashem's name, you know, like uh, I swear to, like that was like every other word was like I swear to, you know. And I was saying, do you realize what you? It was like so, you know, it, it meant nothing to him, you know. But um, uh, Rashi says here. So now let's do the Rashi. You don't have to agree with Rashi, of course, but uh, Rashi at least gives us a difference between it. I'm just trying to say that there are other opinions, including Tosus, about the difference between a rabbinic oath and a Torah oath. But let's see, Rashi, what what's the difference? And a Torah support Rashi top line the day Shuri right there, First of all, you have to use Hashem's real name when you do a Torah or Bikinoi, or at least you know uh, even if it's not an ineffable name, you use the Kinoi. for Torah, and you have to hold the Torah. So listen, this woman when she wants to collect the Ksuva, she's going to hold have to hold the Torah, and she's going to have to use Hashem's name. That, that, it'd be pretty, you know, average Jew would think twice about holding a Torah and taking Hashem's name in vain and lying through their teeth. We have a woman hold the Torah? What? We have a woman hold the Torah? I don't know. That's what it sounds like. I don't know. I didn't see that question, but we're talking here about a woman. I, she's, she's saying, I, I didn't receive money for my ksufa. She's swearing. Right? Um, you're, you're asked certain times of the month it's not appropriate for women to hold the Torah. Right, so maybe they'll schedule the court date appropriately. I don't know. I don't know how that would. Even more embarrassing. Right, right. That's right. <laughs> well, that's true too. Her attorney doesn't have to say the reason that she wants to delay. I don't know. I didn't. I. I uh, it would make me she's not married. <laughs> I do. So, uh, but uh, but that's a Torah shvua. That's really like uh, it could be. That's why they that we had before that they really yeah. didn't. Why would a husband want to? Why would she think of exempting her from swearing, not having? Because maybe that's part, you know, part of going to Basin and the. But it, but either way, a Torah oath, it's you know, you're holding a Torah and you're swearing. I, I just point out to you, there's even an idea. The uh, uh, there's a debate whether you hold like this. Sometimes, if you don't have a minion, if you could get a twelve year old and have him hold the Torah. So there's a problem with a child that maybe they're not serious enough to, to be the tenth man. But if they're holding a Torah, maybe then they'll, you know, that they'll be close enough that you can count them for a minion. There is such an opinion in the uh, um, in the we post. Had that happen to us. We were traveling. Uh-huh. And some guy needed to make a minion. It was Rush Kodesh. Oh, and uh, it was a month or two, I mean, before uh, Herschel's bar mitzvah. 
and they gave him a, he didn't hold his horn, he gave him a comish. Uh-huh. So you're going to be number 10 man. Uh-huh, I I've see. I've never heard of that before in my life. Right. So you just said it now. Right, so that's, uh, you hold the Torah, though, people, uh, you're very careful when you hold the Torah. That's, uh, that puts a shudder in a, you know, this person should think, well, I'm holding a Torah. That's a big, uh, that's a big thing. That's like super duper, you know, to take, you know, to lie on, you know, with the Torah, Shem's name. So if you can get somebody to take a Torah oath, then maybe you can get the truth out of them. It's a klolobiyama. You get a curse. You know, you lie, you get a whammy. So, uh, that's like what we do typically today in most courts is the rabbinic oath. You know, so you get a curse. You know, it's not, uh, not nobody wants a curse, but it's not, uh, uh, there's different levels of how far people are willing to lie. So, the, if the husband, um, uh, the wife is only going to take a rabbinic oath and he wants her to take a Torah oath because he thinks maybe she's going to fib a little bit. So, what should he do? So there is a trick. So Yaiv Lake Suva Sahadi, and he should give her a second payment of Lexuva in front of one witness. And then he has two witnesses now, Kama Asadi Basra. he now has the two sets of, of the witnesses, two Umukim Lahana Kama Benova. And uh, he can try to get back, um, he can say that there's a double payment here, and she'll owe him. Now, he's going to end up having to pay twice to get back. He'll have to get back once, but he'll get credit for the one that uh, um, she's denying that she got anything. And so by getting this second witness, he'll, he'll be able to, uh, uh, to, get her, um, uh, to get her that way. These are two different witnesses. One was on the earlier payment, and one's on a later payment. You use the same witness again. And then you make the first one as a halva. So uh, this, this was the idea that was suggested. Um, let's see, Rashi, uh, four lines down. Um, three lines. So, you're going to end up paying her twice, but you'll bring the witnesses and get the money back. She's saying that she never got paid. You'll have to pay her twice, but you'll get the second payment back because you'll be able to pull it out of her in court with the two witnesses. Uh, let's see that, right? You'll bring them together. If, if she denies it, you'll have both of them that testifying that she got her ksuva. So, uh, so that, that would be the question. Okay, let's go back to the Gemara. Well, why, why would that work? Couldn't she say um, the, uh, couldn't she say that there was two different loans here that she got paid? It's true. I got paid, but that was for something else. In other words, if there are two different transactions, why can't she say I got paid for something else? You, you would tell the witnesses that this is for the ksuva. Um, in other words, you can't let her get away with saying, this is some other debt that he's paying me. So you'd have to have testimony that you paid her the ksuva twice. And uh, um, then she can't say that she had, uh, this was for something else. So uh, basically, if you can get her, um, uh, there's a way to get uh, more witnesses uh, uh, 
to prove uh, to if he uh, to prove his point if he's what is what he's saying is true. So then we said. Um, did he pay her two kasuvas? Yes. So if he pays her another one and he only gets back one, he's still going to be... Well, well, she was claiming that she never got the ksuva, but by paying her the other one with the same witness, she'll be able to have two witnesses on the, uh, that she paid the first one. Yeah. What? Well, you, he wants her to... Um, he wants to be able to get her to uh, to put her on the witness stand about the first one because he knows she won't lie if she takes the real Torah oath. And so by getting this, uh, by having the witness, uh, the same witness on the second one that was on the first one, he'll be able to get her on the stand. Let's do that, Rashi. Let's see if that helps. Umuki lahanakama bahalva. The first one, why is he paying her twice? He'll say that was a loan. He's going to ask, give me my money back, the Omer, and uh, he'll say, I loaned you that money. Because the second time you got your ksuva. And when she denies it and she says, Oh, I, the now is the first time I got the ksuva. The first one will testify that no, I was there when you got it the first time. Because now she's swearing not to pay. In other words, in order to be a Torah oath, you have to swear not to, you can't swear to collect, you have to swear not to pay. And he's demanding that she pay back. So by giving her a second sum, he's turning her oath into an oath where you're swearing not to pay. It's not, he, it comes out, he's not collecting from the ksuva. So th- there were two problems in, in not getting a Torah oath. One is, a Torah oath you have to swear not to pay. And the other is, a Torah oath has to be on something unencumbered. And by giving her, paying her a second time, you're turning one of the oaths uh, into a, an oath about something unencumbered, like a loan. And you're also making it an oath not to pay. So you solve the two problems of it not being, a, you turn it into a Torah oath, basically, by doing it. Once you get the Torah oath, you don't believe she'll lie anymore about the payment because she's going to be on the witness stand and she's going to use Hashem's name and hold the Torah. And so that's a, uh, if you do this trick, you see, if the, the first, the, what happened was she had a ksuva and you, uh, you paid her the ksuva. But if she's going to swear that she didn't get the money, it'll only be rabbinic oath and she'll lie on that. But you want it to be a Torah oath, which she won't lie on. So by giving her a, an official second suva payment, you'll turn the first payment into a loan. And then the loan, you can make her take a Torah oath on. And that's, what, that's the mechanics over here. It's a little bit tricky, but that's the, by, doing, by paying her twice, it comes out the first payment wasn't the suva payment, it was just a loan, and uh, you'll be able to get her on the stand, and that she won't be able to lie on. Okay, moving on. So then we said another case where you swear is if the husband sold off the property and uh, uh, then she's trying to collect from the people that bought it by saying, well, since he was married to me, Mike Suba created a lien. That's called So in those cases, we said in the Mishnah also, uh, she has to swear. So again, we're moving on. The first case was if there's one witness, she has to swear. The second case is, 
if she is repoing the land to pay her ksuva, she also has to swear. That's called the Nechastim Meshubad. It's not Hasim. Bekeni Yisomim, and the same thing if she's taking away money from the orphans, So uh, we also learned that over there, that she also has to swear. Maman. So who exactly is she swearing to? Ilema, Malva. If it's from somebody um, who um, loaned money, Hashtavim Shakabulo Shvua. If the father <coughs> would have collected it without an oath, ihu b'shvua, uh, would the uh, the orphans? Um, let's see, what is this case? This case is the orphans are collecting, and we're saying that the if the orphans want to take away property from someone to satisfy a debt, so they have to swear. So. If it's from the lender, their father would have taken it without swearing, so why would the orphans have to swear? How come? If it's double orphans. <laughs> In other words, uh, the lender died and his kids are there, and the borrower died and his kids are there. And so they're orphans collecting from orphans. So, um, so that's, that's the case where they have to swear. That's if the orphans say, yes, our father borrowed the money and he paid. So we make them swear that. If father told us he never borrowed the money, even with an oath, they don't have to pay. They're denying that there was even the loan. Rava said, actually, that's better if they deny the loan. Because if they did not call Omelolivisi, if they're saying we never borrowed, so then you know for a fact they never paid. Right? So uh, if you if you say you never borrowed, that's like they never that's like they're admitting they never paid. So Mar. So again, there's this this fight here about orphans from orphans, and the question is what do they know? If you learned it, Hakiyitmar, this is how you learn. We get on the witness stand and we say, our father said this was low. We admitted he loaned, but he said it was paid. But if they testify that our father told us we never pay, we never borrowed, so then you can collect them without an oath. Why? You're not relying on them that there was a loan. The other person brings testimony that there was a loan. So when they say our father said we didn't borrow, so that's good. That, that means they're admitting they never paid. And when everybody, and if somebody admits that there's no loan, that's as if they said they never paid it, and so they'll be able to collect it uh, without an oath. Now that we had a new case. We keep on moving on in the Mishnah. This case is where the husband's away, and the wife needs to collect suva, and she collects shalobafanov. So there also she's got to swear, because he ain't there. So since he's not, in, in, to argue to his face, there's something about that, to, to argue in somebody, to lie in front of their face. Some people aren't willing to do. But when they're not in front of you, they're happy to lie. You know, they'll, they'll lie through their teeth. But, to, to, you know, look me in the face. You used to hear that a lot. You know, look me in the face and tell me that. You know, like today people lie to people's faces too. But, they, uh, but the old days, that was a good, you know, they wouldn't be willing to do that. So, uh, Just one yeah. That's a good point. That's a good point. Uh, the question is for these halachas, do we still call them orphans when they're older? I don't know. 
I think the enactment that you have to swear is when they're young, when they're below below the age of consent, you know, where there's a apitrophus. But what about if they're older? Are they? Would you still call them orphans? I don't think so, but I, I can't prove it. Anybody? Uh, you hear what he's asking? He wants to know what's a. Uh, you could have a seventy-year-old orphan, you know. <laughs> you uh, you got to swear I'm an orphan, you know. Let's say. Right, they don't know what their dad did, right. So the, the fact is that even at 70... But the, the rabbis were worried that the people would take advantage of a minor. So is it they'll take advantage of somebody who's distant from the transaction, or is they'll take advantage of a minor? That's really the... So I thought, I, I, my sense is it was only a real minor, but I, I can't fully prove this. Uh, I think it's uh, important to look into that. Okay, so uh, then... Uh, so she can get paid her ksuva even if he's who knows where he is he's across the seas they haven't seen or heard from him uh, with Ishmael <coughs> it's always interesting when you have these new rabbis this is Rabbi Acha the Sar Habira he's the, the uh, he's the mayor of the town the Sar Habira like the officer of the uh, of the um, the capital yeah the, ca- the capital, capital guard, the capital general. Uh, it either means like a general or like an office. What does the art school call him? The ward? The ward. Or the lord. The lord of the... Okay, that's, the art school went English on us. Uh, the lord of the... Uh, of the uh, <laughs> yeah. Rashi just says, that was his nickname. Oh, where's the Rashi? Just, uh, oh, Rashi Kakunu. That's what they called him. <laughs> I wonder what Rashi's adding by that. <laughs> That's uh, does he mean that maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, but they called him the boy. Hey, boss. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting. I'd have to, uh, so, yeah, we just did the Rashi on that. He says that that's what they called him, <laughs> whether whether he was or not the Lord. That's what they called him. What? Like the landlord or something. That's interesting like too. The landlord. Okay, I never thought about that. Sounds like yeah, you're, you know, he minds everybody's business. <laughs> that's right. Okay. <laughs> so Omar Ravaka Sarabira, but Ravaka, this uh, the uh, the Lord of the capital. Anyways, Maisa Barlifne Ribyitzak on Tokyo. He came, this is, sounds like Antiochus, Antioch, right? Antioch's in um, Turkey, right? Is that right? That's where it is. So he said, Antioch. Uh, this that uh, we allow her uh, to swear, um, not in front of him, that's because, um, in other words, usually if a person isn't there, the courts are not going to go down to his property and sell it because a creditor says he owes. We need to have the person there. We need both sides in front of us in court. Well, you know, you can't just go and say, he's not here, okay, quick, let's go to Bayesden and testify that he owes us all this money, and uh, Bayesden will get involved. For the ksuva to pay off the woman, they wanted women to know that they would, they would be, if the husband disappears, they're able to collect the ksuva. Abba Balchov, lo, but not just a plain area. Rabbi, I'm not feeling Balchov. He says, uh, he says that Baal Chov can also collect if he's not there. Otherwise, Otherwise, people are going to take other people's money and pack out. And they, uh, all they've got to do is uh, go far away. Um, I think there are some people that do that. They go to Mexico, right? Or whatever they go, you know, they take the money and run, right? So, but in order to prevent that, so Bayston uh, uh, will let the creditor go a certain amount of time, go down, and uh, they'll sell his property to pay his debt. 
that this person will go and he'll go live at the uh, at the Medina far across the seas. What's the problem with that? But no, those people won't want to loan money. If you don't protect the the lenders, if you don't allow them to collect, then uh, the borrowers will just uh, go out of town. So then this is the final statement of the Mishnah. And uh, the question was whether you could make the widow swear. So it says if the widow asks for the ksuva, she's out for the money, you put her on the stand. But if the widow is just minding her own business, then it didn't sound like she didn't swear. So the question was, what, what was that referring to? We're missing the details on that last statement of Rav Shimon. If you want to just go back and see where it is for a second, it was on Pei Vav Amid Beis, uh, 86B at the... Um, I'm sorry. Pei Zayin Amid Aleph. Um, no, Pei Zayin Amid Beis. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm taking you everywhere. Uh, sometimes before, when you do something on Shabbos, it feels like a month ago. Rav Shimon Omer, Kozman Shehi Tovin Suvaso. I'm just reading the top line on yesterday's page on Amid Beis. Kozman, anytime she asks for the ksuva, the orphans make her swear. But if she's not asking for it, they can't make her swear. That's what Rashidman threw that in on the mission. And we don't know what that's referring to. So now we'll spend half a page trying to figure out what he was talking about. Okay. So Rashidman Ahi. What was Rashidman talking about? In other words, that was put in the back of the Mishnah, but that, what happened was he had some comments. Uh, he was one opinion. And there were a whole bunch of cases. And so we don't know... We, we waited until we finished those cases to throw in Rushimin, but we don't know which of the cases he was talking about. So, what was Ahi? Which is different? I'll tell you what he's referring Aha, on this. We learned that she can collect when her husband's out of town across the seas. In that case, you must have an oath. So, really, the halacha is it doesn't matter what she's collecting, if she's collecting maintenance or if she's collecting suva. Her husband's away, she has to swear that she didn't receive it. Because as far as we know, maybe he, he left her an allowance, and she used it up, and she's just trying to raid the bank. Right? The bank doesn't have her signature on the account. So she, she wants to swear that the, she, this money's owed to her, so she has to swear. So it's only if she's asking for the ksuva. Ainu, as we turn the page, if she's not asking for exuva, she's just asking for maintenance. Ain Yoshimashbi, they don't make you swear. And what's this machlokus? The kapluksa, this machlokus uh, is the following. The Khanan Ubene Kohanim Gedolin. This is between Khanan and the sons of the Kohanim Gedolin. Okay, that's the name of, a, of an, uh, another authority. Somebody traveled across the sea and the wife needs spending money. Omar is spending for food. We'll get her in the end. In other words, you can pay her out now. Later on, you'll get her to swear and make an accounting for everything. They jumped on him. They, uh, they argued with him and they said, No. You'll swear now and you'll swear later. She's, uh, basically, she's collecting maintenance and she's going to collect her ksuva. So the argument is, why make her swear now? So when she collects her ksuva, you'll make her swear that she didn't get her ksuva and you'll also make her sh- swear that she didn't overcollect on her maintenance. Uh, whereas they said, no, you got to make her swear, you can make her swear both times. So that's the argument. Uh, so Roshimin Kachanin, he held like the Rabbanin that you can't make her swear. So maybe this argument in our Mishnah fits very well 
into that other argument. Uh, maybe that's what's going on over here. So, Maskele Rosheshes, Rosheshes says, no, it doesn't fit so good. Hi, Yorshim Mashbiyanoso, Beisdin Mashbiyanoso. It's not the Yorshim who make her swear, it's Beisdin. So it doesn't fit the words. Who's the one who, who makes her swear? It's not the Yorshim. If she, she's going to Beisdin to collect. So uh, Beisdin will say, okay, take the oath. So it, it, it didn't say those words. So we don't like that shot. Ella, so Ella means scratch that. Let's try again. Let's try another explanation for what was Rav Shimon talking about. So again, we were trying to say Rav Shimon and the Tanakhama were arguing in this halacha of, of the Kohanim Gadolim and Chanan about whether she swears twice. Nah, nah, it can't be that. Okay. Ella, let's try again on Rav Shisha. Maybe it's referring to uh, this, this ruling. In the case where the wife went straight from the cemetery to her parents' home. Oh, she went to her in-law's home. But the bottom line is, um, it sounds like she was living with the in-laws and she just went back to the in-laws, but she never became the apitrafia. She just, she didn't take the legal, um, she, she didn't uh, take charge of the estate. She didn't become the executor. So, so then the orphans can't make her swear. But but if she does take that on, then they can make her swear. They can make her swear on all the monies from now on. And Rav Shimon came along and he said, If she's asking for a ksuba, they can make her swear. So Rav Shimon is saying, you know, you can't necessarily make her swear. What's the argument? Maybe this is the commitment plukset abishov rabbanan, and this will fit in great. We always love it when there's no new argument. We'd rather have people. We have enough arguments. We don't need new ones. We'd rather have this argument fit into the other argument. And what's that? Tanan abitrafes shimnu yishvu. If the father put him in charge, so then they swear. Minu beizdin. If beizdin put him in charge, he doesn't swear. Now, the, the question is, which, which one do we, do we say? Basin won't be able to get someone if he has to swear? Or Basin only uses someone who they trust? Abishol says the other way around. Minu, Basin, Yeshava. No, that's part of being appointed by Basin. Minu, Avi, Yeshava. But if the father trusted this person, it was a family friend. You know, people know who they can trust. Lo, Yeshava, you don't swear. Rishim, Abishol, and the Rabbanan. And the Rabbanan, whole like the Rabban. So maybe this is the Machlokis. This fits in with whether or not he swears, depending on who did the appointing, who made him the apitrafis. Masif Abaye, the Abaye says, wait a second, this doesn't fit in the words perfectly either. It should say, it's if, it's not when. So forget that, that doesn't fit in the words perfectly either. So we'll try again. Strike two. <laughs> yeah, we, have to, we can't change the words. It's got to fit in perfectly. You know, maybe this is what the, uh, this Rav Shimon is talking about. On the following, this was a previous Mishnah. The, the, uh, the husband promised the wife, he said, I'm never going to make you swear. I'm not going to make you swear and those that inherit me also. Uh, uh, or if, um, uh, uh, if anybody comes, uh, if, if somebody buys my share of the ksuba, nobody who comes from my side will make you swear, and they won't make you swear, and they won't make anybody you sell it to swear. 
This is the complete. Um, the, the, we had a final version that, it, in other words, what was happening was this. All right, that'll exempt you from Yeshua if 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 you're the one. But what about your heirs? And what about if it's her heirs? And what about if she sold it? And what about if you sold it? So this was the expression: how to get out of olos no matter what. You want to make sure that this this one will never go to court. So uh, that's, that, that, that was the language. Maybe Rishimin was referring to that case. Rishimin said, not so fast. He says, no. Even with all that language, they could make her swear. And what's this argument? We had this argument before. You might remember him from Shabbos. The Abishol, the son of Yemirim Rabban. Like Abishol, that if you, if you took this language, you'll never have to swear. If the husband wrote that language in the Ksuva, then uh, she'll be off. And the Rabbanon said, even with all that language, um, uh, uh, even with all that language, she'll have to swear. This was instituted later that you can't get out of swearing. We protect the orphans. So... Think everybody's going to be happy with this language? So hold on. <laughs> so maskingle. So this is the third try. Maskingle rev papa tena kozman shetavasuvaso. That works if she asks for ksuva. So then this language it indicates the maklokus. Ainu tavasuvaso ma'ikolameimer. So uh, then uh, then what what would you say? That then there is no oath. So how does this fit into the the wording? So ella so strike three. Ella omra papa lefuki midero lazer maklokus. Maybe what it's referring, um, it, he's, um, he's going back to that first case, uh, the, um, uh, the, um, the, uh, e- even if the husband didn't, um, uh, yeah, back in the Mishnah. Well, let's do the, the final Rashi, so this is the fourth explanation about what, Rav Shimon was referring to. Let's see the last Rashi. It's Don't say Rav Shimon only argues on that case where the husband said you're not going to have to take any oaths. He argues on everything. He's arguing on every case. Rebbe Lazar says, you can make her swear anytime, anytime you get suspicious, you can put that oath on her. Even if uh, she isn't asking for a ksuva. Now, if what happens if you did make her swear? Basically, this is like uh, this is a brand new view. This view is that without the exclusions, without him promising her she doesn't swear, you can make he can make her swear anytime you want. And if you make her swear, then no one can make her swear. In other words, uh, before we had that uh, you can make her swear only at certain times, you know, when she asked for exuva. Or if you t- use the right language, she's totally uh, she's off, but then later that changed. This view is either she's totally on or she's totally off. Either you can always make her swear or you can never make her swear, depending on what the husband exhibited. And that's what Rav Shimon's new opinion would be. Okay, fine. So that's the fourth. Four is a charm. Uh, that's the, uh, the, 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 we could learn that fitting into what Rav Shimon was coming to say.